I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard Entertainment and its many games, uh, quite like, you know, horrible mutant peacock birds from Greek mythology, always staring. I don't know where I went there, but hey, <laughs> here we are. Uh, with me this week is my new co-host. Uh, you know him from Lore Watch, uh, where you'll be seeing him and me again this week. Uh, Joe Perez. Joe, what's going on with you this week? I am getting ready for all of the holiday stuff and painting minis like crazy uh, because I have a lot of them because <laughs> I picked up a bunch of commissions. So cool. Keep cool. myself at busy. Point, at some point, I'll probably want to commission you to do one for my dwarf because I'm, I'm enjoying her a lot. I have a weird thing where I don't like to play dwarves. Like I don't play them at all in World of Warcraft until fairly recently. If you're watching the stream, you can actually see me on a dwarf, but I usually don't play them. Uh, mostly because... People tell me I look like a dwarf, like when they see <laughs> okay. pictures of me and so forth. Not not height wise, obviously I'm like six one, but my face. People tell me a lot yeah. that I look like a dwarf. And here's the thing, guys, I hate my face. I absolutely hate it. I grow a beard to hide it. That's why I have facial hair to cover up this thing I've been cursed with. But I've been enjoying like I, I, when they came out with dark irons. Dark irons have one thing I really like. They have phosphorescent hair. Oh, yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, so I started playing a Dark Iron. I had a Dark Iron Warrior I'd been leveling uh, for a while. So <clears throat> now that I'm playing this Dark Iron Paladin I just put up, I decided when I got invited to a D&D game that I'd play a, a Dwarf Barbarian because uh, Mountain Dwarves, I don't know if you've ever checked Mountain Dwarves out. I have. Uh, Mountain Dwarves have a plus two to strength. Yes, they do. They're, and they have poison resistance. Yes, they do. They're basically D and D, or I'm sorry, uh, Wild Dwarves is the best way. To yeah, they are. They are very close. And what's really great is that my barbarian is a bear totem barbarian, so I have double poison resistance when I'm raging. When I'm raging, yeah. I can I can walk <laughs> through a cloud kill spell like it's nothing. Like okay, it does it does forty damage divided by two is twenty damage divided by two again is ten damage. He's like, yeah, okay, I, I got 100 sudden hit points. I, I don't even pay attention to that. I, I so, sneeze yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I've been playing one in, in WoW a lot. I've actually found it. I, I, I like her. I like how she looks. I like her riding around on that Kodo like she is right now. But, uh, yeah. See, and I was, a, I was a WoW dwarf for a very long time. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, because you were like a shaman, too, on the Alliance side, and that's the, they was it. it was them or Draenei for a long time, wasn't it? It was well. It was only Draenei for the longest time. And I think it was Cataclysm. It wasn't until Cataclysm when they gave us dwarves, and even then, like I remember being real mad that I didn't have Wildhammer tattoos. I mean, they're coming now, but yeah, you know, back yeah, then I was like, been, I want this. You've been horde for like three expansions now, though. So yeah, since the end of Mists. You. Unless they, had, if they had gone and given Dark Iron to the horde, which is what I thought they were going to do, uh, then it would be important to you. But they didn't. So I mean, you know what? That's an interesting thing. Like. Why did you think they were going to give Dark Iron to the Horde? Because it was before they brought in the whole Council of Three Hammers and Moira on the Council. Like, keep in mind, we've been talking about this for a long time. Mm. And I thought back 
back in the day, I didn't see any reason they wouldn't give him to the Horde. I mean, they're in the, they're in the mountain fighting the Dark Horde, who the Horde themselves are also fighting. Uh, they hate the Alliance and the Alliance dwarves. They, you know, who knew they were gonna they gonna reunite with the Bronzebeard? I thought after Moira's husband got whacked in front of her, she was gonna go on a tear. I didn't think she was gonna like rejoin the Alliance. Speaking of I which, can I, can I grump a little bit about that because I just recently did uh, uh, the the dungeon not too long ago, and Moira's no longer there, and it makes me sad because and that's because of you. Yep. If, if you've ever done it, you then you don't get her again. I know. I think just... if you go in. If you go in and you haven't done it, she should be there. No, she's gone. She's just completely no? gone. So okay, I went in gone forever. Gone forever. I went in on a character that had not done any of the quests, not done any of the 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 things leading up to it. It was the first time going in there, fresh clear. This is when I was doing my warrior leveling, and she just not there. She's replaced by a generic priest or priestess. Oh, yeah, the generic priestess used to replace her. All the way back, I just didn't know she was permanently replaced. Yeah, right permanently now. replaced now, which which is a little bit baffling because King King Tharisian is still there, like it's still him. Yeah. So it's like that. I, I'm that's very it. confused by that choice. Yeah, that's weird. But I guess they don't give you the quest. I guess technically they don't give you the quest to go save her anymore. So you wouldn't like you wouldn't be there to do that. I guess I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. Is- it's. But uh, all right, let's talk about them. Their top stories. I, I keep doing it. I keep going to them there. Anne used to comment every week that I. Why do I suddenly think I'm from the West when I do this? And I don't know. But yeah, you know, we'll talk about some top stories. First up, uh, we're recording this on December 24th, New Year's, not New Year's, Christmas Eve. It's New Year's Eve. I'm just jumping the week. Uh, no, we're recording this on Christmas Eve, and that means that if you're listening to us like live, then you've got a day to do this. And if you're listening to us, when this goes up on the site, it's too late, but uh winter Vale's Christmas present thing. When you go to winter Vale on the 25th of December, there's a present waiting for you under the tree. You can have all sorts of stuff in it. So don't forget if you're listening to us live to go do that. And if you're not listening to us live, I hope you didn't forget to do that. Um, so yeah, that's basically it for winter Vale. Nothing else to talk about there. Uh, should mention, this is one that I don't know. I want, I want to hear your thoughts on Joe. Okay. They, they've finally have a release date for Warcraft three reforged. Um, and it's, it's at the end of January. I think it's January 29th of two, of 2020. It's not coming out in 2019. Like originally when they put up the pre-order for Warcraft three reforged, it said on or before December 31st, 2019. Mm-hmm. And then they pushed it back into 2020. Um, yeah. January 20, January 28th. Yep. Okay. So, a lot of people are upset about this. Uh, a lot of people won't, are getting refunds because they can. You're you're quite within your rights to request one. They promised the product by a certain date, and they're not releasing it by that date. What do you feel about it? As I'm, somebody who's been covering this for a long time, I'm glad they pushed it back. Honestly, and and I'm in the camp of I still think that it's well within the time. Like I understand that it wasn't before the end of this year. Oh, okay, it's missed it by four weeks that's nothing in game development pushback that is absolutely nothing i've we've had games that have been pushed back years and years and years i mean i could go i can go on about that but i won't but what i think is important here is when they were doing the beta tests and i think the reason we didn't hear anything and this is pure speculation for me and this is just my my engineering background i noticed a whole lot of network issues during the beta and it wasn't like the old school battle net type stuff where it would like randomly drop you. It was like severe lags and, and things like that. And we're talking about a company that has serious money in data centers. It's not a bottleneck there. It had to be something with how they were adapting the old battle.net code to work on the new battle.net framework. And it was causing a whole bunch of problems. And I think the reason we didn't hear anything is because they recognized it and they went into firefighter mode because they knew that they had to, to push this out as quick as possible because of the promise and I think they went to work, and that's why I got pushed back. They went to go fix that problem because that is one of the biggest parts of that game is the multiplayer. It's one of the things that people have been really pushing about. If you go on the, the subreddits, that's what people have been looking forward to is going back to those old death matches and, and, and things like that and that online play features. And I think this was smart of them. I think pushing it back was, one, absolutely the right call. Two, it was the smart call. And three, yeah, some people are going to like get their refunds. 
but I'm almost willing to bet that after a, like a couple weeks of this of it being released, they're probably going to pick it up again anyway if they were already interested in it before. So I don't th- I don't view anything that's happened with this as a bad thing. I think it's only going to be better for the players in the long run. I, I when I wrote the article about the ref, refunds, one of the points I made was that you're absolutely in your rights to do oh, yeah. so. This is this isn't me saying you're wrong to get your refund. Uh, I am saying though that it is pretty understandable. In terms of delays, a month's delay is not, as you pointed out, it's not a big deal. And if they didn't push it back and just released it, like say, let's It'd say they're like, right, fine, it'll come out on December 29th, and they released it, and then it kept doing that. If mm-hmm. it kept having latency problems during matches or kept disconnecting or had some other random problem, then people would be really angry that they just pushed out an unfinished game. So, and I know that this is a remake of Warcraft 3. Uh, and I, that's true. That is a game that went out in 2002. I, I get that. It was 2002 or 2000. I don't even remember. Uh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, this game's been out for a long time. But that's, sometimes that makes it more complex, not less. Because you're trying to keep like what made it that game, but you also want it to work on the new systems. You want it to work on computers that are nobody imagined the computers we have now oh, when yeah. Warcraft, you know, three came out. So I, I'm I'm pretty in favor of it. And if you really want to get a refund, get it. Yeah, go for it. It's your it's your choice. Yeah, it's your money. But all right, that covers that. That's I'm going to talk about this one, even though it's not really much of a story. It's already happening, as far as I know, because it's we're recording this on the December 24th. But if you remember, the, like two years ago, Jeff Kaplan, for some reason you don't understand, <laughs> sat in front of a Yule log for like most of the day on the on on, New, on Christmas Eve, and then last year M- Matthew Mercer did it instead. Yes, yeah. I don't know why. Again, not really anything anyone ever explained to us as to why it's happening, but. They're doing it again. Jeff Kaplan has returned. He's he's sitting in front of a Yule log as as we speak. That that is something that is happening. So, that... I mean, I love it. I personally love it. I love when when developers and people involved in in projects are just like so, wha- like irreverent or wacky or just do something for the sake of doing it. I remember when they first did this at my my uh, my old job. I actually went through and in every conference room. And every monitor that was like open, like free space, like public space stuff, I put Jeff Kaplan sitting in front of the Yule log on it just because I thought it was hilarious. It's up there with Nick o- Nick Offerman sitting in front of the Yule log to me. It's it's gold. <laughs> I just it's one of those things where I I think I said when I wrote the post that I like when people develop new weird little traditions for no reason mm-hmm. and then just keep doing them and it's just like it's just a nice little. It's a nice little thing. It's like, you know, in, uh, every every Christmas Eve, they're going to sit in front of a, of a Yule log. They don't have to tell us why. But, yeah, that's if you, you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh, God, I'm missing it. You can you can drop us and then go watch that. I, I understand. I'm not Jeff Kaplan uh, or as I should call him. I'm sorry. I should give him his full title. Jeff from the Overwatch team. <laughs> it's so weird to me because to me, Jeff Kaplan is an extremely excitable developer who worked on, you know, classic World of Warcraft and he's become someone totally different. Oh, yeah. He's become someone else totally different. He is not the person he was when I when I remember dealing with him back in the, the dim days of 2007. Uh, but, you know, that's that's just life. Uh, OK, last the last bit of news before we move on to the emails. We actually got a fair amount of emails, by the way, this week. So thank you, guys. Uh, but last bit of news. This one's kind of sad. Uh, if you guys know Carbot, Carbot Animation, they've been doing all sorts of really cool World of Warcraft stuff for years now. And they, one of the things that they really are known for is their StarCraft series. You watched it, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, they've, they've finished it. Yep, uh, it's, it's done. done. They're, not, they're not doing it anymore. And, you know, it's been going for like a while, too. Like, I think it's they, the article that um, Corey wrote, he said seven years. Yep. And that's a lot of time to be doing it. And uh, what you know, you you watched it. What do you think? I I love Carbot. I've always loved Carbot. I it's one of those things where I love shorts. I love hand drawn animation, uh, even if it's digital hand drawn animation. 
uh, I have so much respect for it in general. And I used to love their shorts, whether it was the, the, the weird looking Zerglings, um, which just look so happy and I just want to cuddle them or the Marine with his like box gun. Like I've, I've always loved everything Carbot's done. Uh, and the fact that it came to an end, like all things must end is, is what people say. Uh, but when you're doing animation like this for that long, it's not surprised. It takes a lot of work. And the fact that it went out with a half hour bang, that's pretty impressive, especially when you consider how small of like, this is not like a big studio doing this. This is like what? Two people. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know how big Carbot is. Yeah. I know it's, it's not huge. This yeah. is roughly comparable to like the development of Stardew Valley with one guy. Yep. Like, you know, I think he's got a few employees now, but it's still primarily one person. It's Carbot is like I maybe you know it's a it's a small group of people, so yeah. I I'll, I'll say this: if nothing else, Carbot Starcraft stuff got us the Carbot version of Starcraft remastered. Mm-hmm. It uh, did. If you that that is one of my favorite things of all freaking time. <laughs> I definitely agree with you. Unbelievably fun. Um, and as so you point out, the little Zergs, that little mouth opening Zergs, <laughs> just. Yeah, they're they're cool. So yeah, but that kind of wraps us up. Because guys, I'm sorry, but it's December and not much else is going on. We we know we're getting so we're gonna have news in January. We know that they're releasing patch 8.3 in January. We know that you know Warcraft 3 is coming out in January. There will be stuff to talk about in January, but December you can't really expect a whole heck of a lot. Um, alrighty, now we're gonna go and do emails. I'm gonna give you the option here, Joe. <laughs> because Ian, Ian used to read the emails because, as people know, I've got really bad eye damage. I'm I'm legally blind. Do you want to try to read the emails, or do you want me to try and do it? I got you covered, man. All right. I just wanted to ask before we get into this. If you've got an, an email for the podcast, guys, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for this show. And really, seriously, uh, thank you guys so much. You stepped up pretty big this week, and we had quite a few emails, so... Uh, Joe's going to read them for us now, so if you don't mind, Joe. Okay, here we go. Email number one, question for the BW Podcast. Now that we are getting full range scaling in Shadowlands, where you can start a new character and level up to the current expansion without bouncing throughout all of the old content, I'm wondering if there is the possibility of seeing micro expansions that add special leveling only zones to the game, or maybe character packs that introduce a new race and new starting zone to level through. For example, it might always be tough to find a good fit for Tuscar in the new expansion. That doesn't involve Northrend, but they could craft a special starting area for them a la Wandering Isle and sell that outside the usual expansion cycle. Just something I've been thinking about and would love to get your thoughts on. Love the show. Hashtag remember Theramore. Hashtag remember Teldrassel. Um, if I pronounce this name wrong, I apologize. Merlane or Merlene from Stormrage. Thank you for the question. Uh, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? I want, you know what? I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Um, they did that. They did a little kind of version of that in Diablo three with the necromancer. Mm-hmm. So clearly the capacity is there. Um, other games have done it. I don't know if that fits how blizzard develops world of Warcraft. Cause I'm, I'm obviously not intimately familiar with how blizzard designs and develops for that experience for that game. Um, I don't think it's impossible. One of the things that I've always remembered is if you go back and look at the original with WoW Classic out now, it's a good time to do it too. If you go back and look at the original World of Warcraft, the way the patches came out, mm-hmm. that was how they felt. Yeah. Like every patch would come out and it would be like it would bring with it the next big raid and a bunch of other content. I remember when Zulgarub came out, that felt like a mini expansion. I, I remember when Hunters didn't have all of their talent sets. And that That's was released. True. That was released after the game was already live. Yeah, but that was like way early, though. That wasn't. That was still like before even. I don't think Maradon was out yet when they no, did that. No, it was not. <laughs> but so, could they do a micro expansion that offered like special leveling only zones or new characters or whatever? Maybe. Uh, the, the capacity is there. I don't know if they're going to do that. Um, we talked on, on Lore Watch a little bit about the concept of them adding, like, WoW Classic-type zones as, like, you know, an alternate an alternative to leveling through the Cataclysm revamp of the, the you know, original world. 
And I think that's something that I would like to see. I don't know how they would do it, but this is a possibility for how you could do that. You could do that in that way. You could make it like, you know, you know, you could effectively make it buy your spy. Wow. Classic again, you didn't buy it the first time, but now you could actually spend money and get that one to 60 experience. That's possible. Um, I'm going to ask you if, if they went with this, what would you want to see them do? So, I'm split on this because I like the idea of having like these almost like micro zones because there's if anybody's ever played and going back to some of our pre show talk, like if you've played the the tabletop RPG for World of Warcraft when it was available, there's more continent and island type stuff that they tried to expand on there that we haven't gotten to see in game. And I'd like to see some of that come here as well as like the races like. Anybody who's followed me on Twitter knows that uh, I'm a big proponent of Tuscar as a player race. Like, they're one of my favorite races in the game because they're just, I love them. I just love everything about them. And I would love to see that introduced. The only problem that I come into is I don't know, like you said, I don't know if it actually fits the development cycle for what they do. Because when you're talking about like those, those sort of microtransactions, those are the things you see in like almost free to play games, right? Where free to play MMOs yeah, yeah. release like those sort of like micro content and, and things like that. And those tend to be very quick development, very, things that are like asset swaps or things that are, you know, rigging a skeleton with a new overlayer. And that's it. Like not adding a whole bunch of extra stuff and trying to get like five, 10, 15 bucks out of you at a time. I don't know if that fits here. What I would like to see maybe instead is, and, and I've, I've talked about this a long time ago and I, people are very torn on this too. Personally, I would like to see more regular updates instead of full expansion releases. So if they were to do something like this, I'd like to do completely away with expansions and instead, you know, every three months, four months, six months, whatever, we get something new and it's just a constant rolling cycle. So, you know, six months, we have a new starting area, new race and, you know, new content or whatever. And then you, you build onto that and you sort of build that up and do what you would with that big expansion, but break it out and, and sort of have sort of constant sort of updates. And if they wanted to do small prices with that, like Lord of the Rings Online did. I liked that during Lord of the Rings Online. I had no problem spending the money to do that because the content when they released like the Mines of Moria and things like that, those were great. They were full, wonderful releases of like micro content that was well done. But I don't think that large expansion release and micro content like this can exist at the same time because I think players would feel slighted and I don't think the development cycle that they have in place would really deal with it well it's a completely different mindset yeah i also worry about whether or not there's enough room in world of warcraft for a ton of more classes um yeah we've got a lot of classes i mean i'm not going to do the whole thing where i count specs as classes they kind of can feel that way but i'm not going to do that but just looking at classes now we've got like three plate classes um four leather classes four cloth classes and two male classes and we're up to 12 classes total. That's a lot of classes. Like, a, yeah. most games don't have that many. And the idea of adding races, I mean, if you look at how many races we've got, with allied races added into the mix, we're up to, like, what? Um, each faction had six, counting the Pandaren. I think the Pandaren actually took both of them up to seven. There's and 11. Then you add, I think there's 11 races each side right now. Well, let me look at it this way. I'm going to do a quick thing here. Dwarf, Night Elf, uh, Gnome, Human, Draenei, Pandaren, and then four allied races. Yeah, so, so yeah. You got you got Dwarves, Gnomes, Humans, Night Elves, Draenei, Worgen, Lightforge, Draenei, Void Elf, Dark Iron Dwarf, Kul'Tiran, and Pandaren. So, yeah, that's like 11 or 12. That's Yeah, uh, that's a and lot. So that's just one side. And we're getting, we, we're probably going to get more, too. Yeah, I mean, we're not even counting the the mechanomes and the Volpera, which like, are we already... didn't count mechanomes there. Yeah, they're guaranteed. Those, we are, those are already confirmed. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot, and it's it is a lot of complexity. It's a lot of stuff to balance. I mean, each race comes with its own racial benefits. There's the more they do it, the more complexity they add to a system that is pretty freaking complex. World of Warcraft is not a simple game. People. 
often you know say it's easy mode or whatever, but it's exceptionally broad, and it has a lot of depth in that in in its breadth as well. There's a lot going on. So Go, going back to the programming thing too, there's another thing to consider is every time you add something to a game like this, especially something that's been around for 15 years at this point and has uh, what I like to call uh, clutch code somewhere still. I know they've, they've met efforts to clean everything up and, and especially when Cataclysm was there, but there are still things that happen that make no sense. Like they will update a player class ability and then something in Alduar will break. Like stuff like that happens. So every time you add another race or another ability or a modifier or something, a new system, anything, there's a chance that you are going to completely smash something you had no idea was even linked to what you were doing. And that's just sort of the way of like code this old, a game this old, that just sort of happens. That also has to be put into consideration as well, which is why like with Shadowlands, where they're putting all these new systems in place, they're and watch what like watch the notes, watch what happens afterwards when they do their hot fixes and things like that, because you will be. I mean, I'm always shocked by it, but the sheer number of things that like they have to go back and fix in old content because of new content is just mind blowing. So you keep adding new races. You try to add a new class to that. Oh, man, you're, you're just asking for things to go completely kablooey. There's a few reasons why Demon Hunters only came out with two specs. Oh yeah, and one of them one of them was the fact that they basically only needed two, but and another was the fact that it made things stay even at 36 specs total, because remember druids have four. Yep. Um, but another reason is because less is better in terms of oh god what just happened did we change anything did we break anything? No, nothing's broken. Oh thank you and let's move on. So yeah. I think that pretty much answers this one, don't you? I think so. We can move on to the next one if you're ready. Yeah, sure. All right. Hello, watchers. Short question for you. How do you feel that Orodos uh, is still locked behind the legendary cloak and also that the gear from Orodos on the black market auction house is also locked behind the cloak? Does it really diminish the accomplishment of people to allow people to access this now that we are at least four expansions past? Thanks, Dan. I could not care less if they let people just go kill Ordos without the cloak. Um, yeah. At this point, in order to get the cloak, you have to do, like, it's not it's not hard for a max level character to go do all the quests solo. They can go mm -hmm. run all that stuff. They, you know, could they, they can't get the cloak because the cloak was taken out. Like, it's straight up gone. You can't yep. get it. But you could totally do all that work and get it if it was still there. I, I mean, as somebody who got the cloak at the time, as somebody who's been trying to get his shoulders for literal years, I don't care. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm in that camp too. Like, so I, I've had this talk with a lot of people over the years, and like my guild members and things like that. With the implementation of achievements into WoW, do you really need to gate content items or experiences anymore behind things like this? I don't think you do. You give the people that did the grind, that, that did it originally, a title or uh, an achievement or something that signifies that they did it first. It's sort of like how we have ahead of the curve. You know, mm -hmm. you, you go through a raid, you complete it on Heroic, you get ahead of the curve, you have something. Sometimes it has a title with it, sometimes it has a mount with it or whatever the case is. They get their reward from doing it, you know, early first at, at level. After that expansion's done, especially something like this, like they said, it's four expansions past. Who cares? Let people experience this. Let people have access to it. It does not diminish the achievements or accomplishments of anybody who did it at level or during that time frame. Let I mean, Ordos is, yeah, Ordos is like off on a little island somewhere. It's like, and you know, if people want to go kill him, let them. Mm -hmm. Like, wh why, you know, is Ordos special? Like, why should Ordos be protected? I can go murder, like, you know, I, I can go to, to, to Outland, and if, if he's up, I can kill Kazak anytime I want. He's usually not up because everybody does kill him. Yep. I mean, Ordos respawns every five minutes. Like, if people want to form a queue and, and butcher him, let him. I don't, I don't see a reason to be, like, interested or excited about that like why would that upset me i killed ordos at the time i've been killing ordos for years all it does really is make it so 
the fact that I was playing in World of Warcraft back in Mr. Pandaria, it it means a little something. But I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an achievement guy in the first place. Like I don't care about them. Like mm-hmm. if I'll do achievements for other people. Like if I'm in a group and they're like, yeah, we want to get this achievement, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll I'll do my best to get it. But I was the guy that when we were killing um when we were doing the Lich King. And we were doing the Lich King at level. This was, you know, back at level 80. And everyone was like, we got to get the achievement neck deep and vile. I was always the guy who, after the fourth or fifth wipe going, can we please just kill him? Please. I, I just want to be done fighting him now. We've tried this six times. We have we have not successfully gotten this achievement yet. And the the clock is ticking. We had to get here. We had to clear the raid to get to him. And now we've spent four hours killing, you know, failing to kill him on a fight we have on farm. Can we please just kill him? See, and that's just, you know, for some people, the achievements are really super important. For other people, they're not. For some people, getting to do it first is really important. And for some people, they're not. I, I don't see that at this point, anybody who's really charged up about getting Mists of Pandaria stuff, that was a while ago now. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. I think it's safe to say that if people are still upset about stuff from that long ago, I think it's time to move on just a little bit. Speaking of moving I on, mean, I think that. Oh, go ahead. I was going to no, say. No, you're fine. I was just going to keep going. Quite frankly, reining in my ranting is probably not a bad move. <laughs> but I was going to say, I think we're good for our next one, which is from Nagarlud from Alaria. Um, again, if I mispronounce the names, I apologize. Uh, with it having been definitively proven that Sylvanas isn't Gary 2.0, what are the odds she actually Illidan 2.0? I.e., she's not bad, she's just written that way, a la Jessica Rabbit. Perhaps she's just deep undercover and has really been working for Azeroth's best long-term interest this whole time. Perhaps Azeroth is the Arbiter Titan to extrapolate from Bellular. I have to admit, I also squeed just a bit thinking of Sylvanas eventually coming face-to-face with Arthas in the Maw and having a hand in his ultimate fate. Thoughts? I think you should go first. Yeah, I got a... So, first of all, um, I'm guessing that we've talked at some point, Nargala, because I'm definitely more in the camp of Illidan 2.0 closer to being reality than than Gary 2.0 ever was. Um, I'm waiting for the twist. I think there's going to be a little bit of a twist somewhere. And I would not be surprised if there maybe that is something where she is going into the Maw, or she wants to go into the Maw to, to mess with Arthas because she knows that's where he is. They, she's seen him. She knows exactly where she is. Um, as far as her ultimate fate goes, I've gone on so many different tirades about it, and I still think that the worst thing, the absolute positive worst thing that we can see happen to her is redemption. Making her have no excuses anymore. And I think possibly that instead of being Gary 2.0 or Illidan 2.0, she's going to be Sylvanas 1.0, and it's going to be the very first thing that happens uh, that we see a character is this pure redemption, and redemption is the most terrible thing that can happen to them. What say you? She murdered (laughs) babies. Guys, I'm sorry. Every time we have these discussions, people get on me about being, you know, anti-horde, hating the horde, whatever. But you cannot get away from the fact that she murdered babies. Yep. And, you know, she murdered non-combatants who were of no threat to her to send them to literal, you know, now that we know she was sending them to actual, like, you know, eternal Heck. torment in a yeah. featureless void. Um, it's... It, it will be really hard for me to accept any motivation that makes that okay. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's impossible. And I certainly think she thinks she's doing the right thing. That's one of the things I always want to make the distinction between. There's, there's a difference between thinking a character is evil and thinking that they are one note or boring or Mm -hmm. what have you. I don't think Sylvanas is a one note character. I think she has reasons for what she does. I think they make sense to her. I think if She's you asked evil. her, yeah, but I think if you asked her what they were and could have, if, if you were in a situation where you could sit down with Sylvanas and have a conversation, she'd tell you, you know, look, I didn't make this. The universe is this way. I didn't come up with it. I've just had the scales ripped from my eyes. I know how things really work. And the only way to go forward is to break it. 
and, you know, otherwise we're all just trapped on this treadmill and we go, we live our lives, we die, we get sent to wherever we go. Our energy gets recycled into this thing. It's just this pointless treadmill of existence. It's, it's a cage that never lets us go. So, you, you know, that's fine. And it's a, it's a justification for her behavior and it makes sense from her perspective. That doesn't make it right. And I don't think she's good or deep undercover. I think she's, she thinks she's doing what you suggested. Mm -hmm. She thinks she's working for Azeroth's best long-term interests. She thinks she's going to smash this mechan this mechanism we've all been trapped in this this cage. It's it's very it's a very kind of like the uh, concept of the cage of fleshly existence um, from from mysticism. The idea that you're trapped and you don't even know you're trapped, and your entire existence gets channeled into this you know thing after your life. And from her perspective, you know everything she suffered was just pointless yeah you know and i get that and it's it's a powerful motivation she why would she hesitate why what difference does it make if they burn to death in a fire or they die in their beds in a hundred years they're still gonna die and they're still gonna end up you know food for some weird place you know to so it gets to you know can imagine the concept of a soul drought and what that says that basically saying you're a resource. Mm -hmm. Your whole life, everything you do, everything you feel, it's just so like some weird plants in an, another part of the another realm of existence don't die, and they're already dead. They're in a realm of the dead. What the heck difference does any of this make? And what happens to us when we get recycled? Do we get reborn without any knowledge of like the life we just led? Are we eventually trapped forever on this treadmill? Like Which... I, you know. It's going to be interesting because we're going to learn some of those those questions, uh, the answers to those questions in the Shadowlands. Yeah. And, you, you know, from that perspective, she makes sense. But there's a big difference between thinking you're right and actually being, being right. right. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things like I keep going back to, like, when I say redemption, I don't mean like she's good, she's happy, she's back and she's a hero again. When I say redemption, one of the things that's like a character hook for her, and which is why I think she's she was never Garrosh 2.0 and she would never Illidan 2.0, is more that one of her defining features is that she, quote unquote, does not feel. We know that that's a lie. She still feels, but it's muted. And one of the things that I've wanted is I wanted the weight of everything she's done, every action she's taken, regardless of her justification to herself to come crashing down on her, because that is the ultimate punishment to me for somebody who was once noble, who was once this person who fought for the survival of the people she loved and cared about to have all of those emotions unchecked, come back to her, to have the reality of every choice she made come back to her. I think that is that would be so much better than than she dies or so much better than she's actually secretly a good guy or, you know, she was made this way. She was just drawn bad. No, she made these choices for whatever reason she did, but I want her to feel the weight of them because she currently does not. Yeah, I think to a certain degree, one of the things that Sylvanas's story arc always reminds me of is is something I've gone through myself in my life. And I'm sure other people who've had traumatic experiences can relate to is that. There's a there's a thing you know called PTSD, uh, post traumatic mm -hmm. stress disorder, and one of the things that happens is you get warped by extreme trauma. Your mind processes it not as an unusual aberrant event, but as norm. You're always under this kind of stress. You're always in survival mode, and when you are like that, you control your emotions as long and as hard as you can. You suppress them, and when they break, they come out in like bursts. Yep. The Sylvanas at Sylvanas when she, when the uh, tree burns in the Warbringer short. That's that's perfect example of somebody who is controlling themselves and and pre presenting themselves as utterly in control of everything that's happening, and then something comes along and it's just enough of an irritant to to like dislodge a rock inside them, and suddenly all that the rage spews out. You do something, you know, you lose control, and you don't lose control like. It's very rare that you would have like, you know, you'd, you'd be out and you'd see some puppies and you'd lose control and have a, like a, a happy moment. It's going to be rage or fear or loss or grief because those emotions are 
always the ones that are being like threatening to come up because you're under such stress. Uh, and I'm not a psychiatrist and or a psychologist, so please don't don't go and take me as a as that sort of thing. If you feel like you might have PTSD, please go to an actual professional. Yeah. But my point is just she does a good job of illustrating that that loss and that the way it warps you. And her undeath is a metaphor for it in a way. It's the fact that she she literally can't connect to who she used to be. She tried. She tried in war crimes, and yeah. And she tried in uh, Three Sisters. Yeah, but it's like her idea of how to connect is to murder these people. Yep, to free them. Yeah, because again, she views life itself as a prison and a a cage. Once you have that idea in your head that that existence itself is, is, is an abomination, she's taken that idea that she used to have back in Vanilla. You all remember, what are we if not slaves to this torment? It's just that she's redefined what this torment is. Yep. The torment isn't on death. The torment is life. Yep. You know, so. The goalpost has moved. <laughs> do I think she's, you know, a secretly good person? No. Do I think that she's working undercover? No. I do think she's evil. I do think she does evil things. That doesn't make her a boring character or an uninteresting character. And. I really feel like we're at the point now where we kind of have to address that these these characters in these games, just because they're in the group that we play, doesn't make them like Anduin is a terrible leader. Yep. Yeah, I he's am, proven that very recently, too. He's really bad at it. I mean, is he a good person? I think in, in terms of mercy and compassion, he's merciful, he's compassionate, he's hopeful. He's a lot of good things. He'd be a great high priest. He's not he's exactly a, ter- a great great king. <laughs> he's a terrible king. He doesn't know how to lead. Um, his idea of how to lead is I say, I should I'll say this thing we should all do and then we'll all do it. No, you, that's not leading. That's dictating. Yep. And, Anduin's got a lot to learn, and that doesn't mean I hate the alliance. <laughs> to say that to say these these characters, Gen Greymane has a bit of a temper. Don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> Guy kind of flies off the handle. Now, does he have justification for it? Yes. Sure, but did he's he still... still... Did he drag us into an armed conflict in Stormheim while we were already fighting the Burning Legion? Yes, yep. he did. Did it Did it work out? I guess. Mm. It definitely worked out in that Sylvanas didn't get her Lantern of Evil, but it still was him without any approval or oversight just saying, we're going to do it, and then we did it. And he wasn't... He's not king of the entire alliance. He doesn't have control of their entire military. But he and, and another alliance figure just defied the king and got away with it. That's never been dealt with. Yeah. No, they, they never even talk about that. No. Like there, there's there's no confrontation about that whatsoever. If you're Horde, you know, you could straight up point to that and say that's unchecked aggression. They attacked us. We didn't do anything. I mean, sure, Sylvanas had her plan, but that the, the whole Horde fleet wasn't involved in it. Not only that, but her plan wasn't even doing anything against the Alliance at that point, and that could be, like, the shield they had behind. We weren't attacking the Alliance. We weren't doing anything that was... We were were trying to get more power to help with the Legion. Like, there's a million ways they could spin it. Or even just the simple fact that you could just as easily have stopped what Sylvanas was doing without any of that. Attacking the Horde fleet and losing your own fleet in the process did nothing to stop Sylvanas. Yep. She was already not part of it. All you did was kill a lot of people for nothing. Yeah, and there was a and, lot of dead alliance. Yeah, so you you, you kind of have to get past the idea that finding objectionable behavior amongst these lore figures is saying that the players of each faction are bad because that's just ridiculous. As Joe pointed out, talking about agency before, they've added agency in Battle for Azeroth. Before that, we didn't have any. Yep. Like, which stuff just happens. Then they decided, okay, you can pick which one you want to back. That's still not real agency because, a be- you know, a lot for a lot of us, the option would have been, I'm not doing this. Oh, yeah, my, my character would not have touched anything to do with anything Teldrassil. Like, there's no way in heck Loder would, would condone anything regarding that, period. End of story. And for like, you know, I was playing on my Tauren, and I was like, well, I guess I don't finish this then? You know, it's like you, you cannot do it and then that's just it. Or you can do it and feel like a jerk. I, that's Those are your options. It's not really – no. There needs to be a better way to do that. But that's 
is getting back to this question, which we have now way blown past. <laughs> uh, I don't believe Sylvanas is either of those people. I don't think she's a retread of Garage. I don't think she's a retread of Illidan. I think her story is her story, and it's going to end in a way that suits her character. Agreed. 100%. All right, one more question on the docket. Greetings, watchers. Crusader Brittenbrad has come up a few times in discussion between both podcasts since the news of the new expansion revolving around the dearly and not-so-dearly departed. My simple question is, can we still consider the events of that quest canon? Specifically, and quotation marks, spoiler mornings for an 11-year-old quest, uh, that the Naru took his soul to a glorious afterlife. Most people know that the inspiration for the quest chain is a real-life memorial to someone close to Blizzard's staff. I've always gave this quest some leeway with canon lore because the story was to tell a specific comforting story, especially for the family member. I feel like the quest didn't age well given all the revelations about light, death, and the Shadowlands, etc. in the more recent expansions. Should we still believe that, lore-wise, the Naru took the soul to some heaven equivalent? I know there were some debate in one of the last latest podcasts about the light having a possible carved out zone of their own in the Shadowlands or their own separate version of the Shadowlands. Lightland? Uh, maybe I'm wrong and Blizzard will explicitly deal with this by having the Good Crusader waving at you in Bastion or sitting next to the Arbiter in Orabas snacking on chicken wings. Thanks, Fido. Uh, this is a deep one, and this is something I think we've we have definitely talked about it a few times. My personal thing, I would not be surprised if there's a slight bit of retconning to make sure that this fits and is still canon. Because that quest's still there. They're not going to pull it out. Like you said, it was based off of a real-life uh, memorial for somebody who passed away. And we know that they've done that a few times or those memorials are in-game. But I think that it could still be canon depending on what happens in Shadowlands. We don't I'm know. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be considered canon. Mm -hmm. What have we, what what has been revealed so far that makes you doubt it? I, I think like it's the whole... said or done anything. I think it's the whole no, souls Bastion, or power. You know Bastion, you know Bastion exists. Mm -hmm. We know that, you know, the, the Kyrian Covenant is there. I've seen the demo that when I went and played it. Um, there's nothing about that place that doesn't make me think that he couldn't have been taken there. Um, the place is infused with the light. There's the light all over the freaking place. Um, so, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't really have a problem with it. Um, quite frankly, he could very well be Bastion, or it could be someplace else, or what they meant by where they were taking him could be something we don't really understand. And like, we... he he wasn't he wasn't actually dead yet when they took him. Correct. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was literally just going to say that he wasn't dead yet. So he doesn't have to be in the Shadowlands at all. Maybe they took him someplace where time doesn't pass, like, say, the Twisting Nether or some other region like it. Remember, we know that Turalyon looks really old when we see him. But he's he much older. Nearly, yeah. He, even though it's it's been like 50 years or so from our perspective, I guess, not 50, but 30 years from our perspective. From his, it's been thousands. Mm-hmm. It's even called A Thousand Years of War, the, the audio book about his. And that's because when he went to the Twisting Nether, the closer you get to certain aspects of it, the faster time moves. So it, is the inverse true? Can you find a place that if you move further and further away, you, time slows down? Is that guy essentially hanging out in a pocket dimension where time isn't passing so he's not dying? I don't know. That wasn't that no one told me nothing. They just said, "All right, we're going to take him." The light doesn't abandon his champions. That was that was it. They didn't say the light doesn't abandon his champions. Off to Heavenland with you. They just said the light doesn't abandon his champion its champions and took him. And you know Where'd what? It, you know what I think would be even like a, just a cool little nod to that too. And I, and again, you played some of this, but I don't know if this is something that is going to come later on. We talked about uh, the whole soul linking, the the way that your character finds a very powerful soul in the Shadowlands and links with them to gain some of their power and some of their abilities and tweak your own as a result of it. I could 100% see Brittenbrand being a bastion-like soul for soul linking, where that's where he sure. was deposited. He's like this huge champion that the Naru, you know, saved from his, his death, you know, or saved from whatever his ultimate fate was. And then there he is. He's sitting there. He's ready to, to help you out as, you know, his crusader. You know, I could totally see something like that happening. And it doesn't 
at that point, nothing that has happened up to that point can be considered, you know, not canon. Everything still existed. Everything still happens. So I'm, I'd be fine with that. And, I don't, and like you said, I, I don't think there's anything that that we've seen so far that explicitly would remove that from being canon. So yes, at the crux of the question, I do believe we can still consider the events of that quest canon because we still don't know all the variables yet, and they it can be resolved a million different ways that still make it fit. I think sometimes people see something that's that's come out more recently and think back to something from before it was released and and see contradictions or things that don't they don't quite understand and then they therefore assume that something has to be retconned or isn't considered canonical anymore um and that's not nine times out of ten it's not necessary mm-hmm. it's you overthinking it yep it's you deciding well that doesn't make sense so it's not canon um first off I saw a really cool thing online the other day talking about the next time someone tells me that something doesn't make sense and couldn't couldn't fit in a storyline, I'm going to remember this. And it was just an outlay of how ridiculous World War II is if you look at it as fictional. Oh, yeah. It's like, so wait, they developed an ultimate weapon that they could use and they, they used weird mysticism to figure out how to make it work and then they never used it again? What do you mean? Like, you know, what, what's, what are you talking about? They just, they had another war within 10 years. They didn't just use the ultimate weapon again. They just never used it in war again. That doesn't make any sense. Or so the villains from like this first, this whole, like they're going to just come back in like, like 60 years. We're just going to have to deal with them again. Like, you know, it's life is full of things that seem contradictory to us because as as has been put out a million times the difference between fiction and reality is that fiction has to make sense yep you want to understand you want it to be a narrative and you know in your defense it is a story it is supposed to be a narrative but narratives that that deal with like actual things or even just the emotional weight of things that tries to have verisimilitude in some fashion can't have to embrace that sometimes we just don't know and later on, we find out something that contradicts what we thought we knew. And it doesn't always mean that the first thing wasn't real or wasn't true. It just means our perspective was limited. All we knew about Bride and Bride was they couldn't fix him. And they tried everything. They tried everything they could reach. They tried Anaru's light. They tried Alexstrasza's healing power. They tried everything they could get their hands on. And nothing could do it. You know what this reminds me of, too, is this reminds me of the discussion we have about Chronicle a lot and about mm-hmm. a, how a lot of the things we, we get in Chronicle, like people will ask us constantly, you know, oh, but what do you feel about this? Now that we know this, it contradicts what was written here and Chronicle's supposed to be this definitive volumes of, of lore and story. And and the thing is, it's all about perspective. And as perspe- your perspective changes, sort of the truth of the situation or the truth of what these events were shifts as well. We've seen that, and we I think we talked about this on Sunday's Lore Watch with, like, um, uh, Bran Bronzebeard and his his delving into things, um, and some of the things we've experienced in game, like with the uh, what was it the tribunal, in the tribunal of ages, yeah, the tribunal of ages, where like the information it's giving us is not accurate, but it is accurate from who put it there. That's what he decided. Like the, 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 this has been a constant thing. So as our perspective shifts, the truth changes, and that's just something you kind of have to keep in mind with with World of Warcraft, particularly with the stories. Is it's not necessarily retconning. It's not necessarily although there's some of that. But as you mm-hmm. get more information, as you're you learn more things, what you thought is true can change. It is allowed to change. That is the nature of the story. Yeah, and I mean. Joe made a good point there because the Tribunal of Ages is, is actually turned out to be literal misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like Loken put it there to confuse us so that when Algalon showed up, he could point to it and say, this is what happened. You know, this was Loken covering his butt. Like literally that's what was going on. But in the case with a lot of stuff with Chronicle and the case with Bride and Brad here in particular, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to fall out of canon to just know more about what happened. Even if you don't even see Bride and Brad again, if we never see Bride and Brad again, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And, it, you know, he didn't show up here. That doesn't mean that, you know, he, it didn't happen. It might mean that the Naru did something with him that isn't quite what we would consider a heavenly reward. 
Yeah, I mean, like, he we don't been... know what they did with him. Maybe they light forged him, or maybe they turned him into a crystal, like you know the ones that were gifted yeah. to the to the uh, Adrenai. You know, yeah, we don't thousands know. of thousands of years ago. After the moment after he goes rising up into the sky with him, that is the last we see or hear of him. It doesn't come up again. No one has mentioned him since. So, you know, the the other thing is the, canonis, the canonicity of that moment is simply the fact that it is there. Mm-hmm. It's not like it has ever really affected anything since. Um, honestly, one thing that I'm always confused by that nobody really wants to confront or deal with, and which is absolutely established as canon in game, is that multiple undead, including Scourge, not just Forsaken, but Scourge, can and do control the holy light. Yeah. Sir Zeliac in, in Nexramus never stopped. Just by sheer force of will and belief, he could channel the holy light while he was a corpse serving the Lich King. The Lich King controlled him. He couldn't break free. He wasn't strong enough to break free of the Lich King, but he was strong enough to compel the holy light to follow him. What does that say? Yeah. What does that mean? Yep. Like, think about these things. Because we're going to see it. If you can be dead and control the light, and Bastion certainly seems to indicate that that's the case, because that place certainly looks like it's a holy light, you know, party zone, mm-hmm. then there's interesting things about the interrelationship between life, death, death magic, necromancy, and the light. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Shadowlands has to say about it. But I don't think it, it contradicts anything we've seen so far. But that's you know I, I feel like I've gone on about this enough. You got anything else to say on this one? No, I mean that's 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 basically my feelings on it as well. I don't think anything we've seen so far or anything we will see will contradict it or remove the the canon of that moment. That moment I think will always be in game, pure. Like you said, it's it is what it is. That is what happened. We witness it ourselves. We don't have to know what happens after. And again. We've talked about how the Naru in particular have very strange ideas about how things are supposed to be. I mean, we could look at the Illidan light forging thing. Like, they have ideas. They have very specific ideas of what they want things to do. Heavenly reward can mean literally anything, and we have no idea what it means, and we might not ever know what that means, and that's perfectly fine. That moment is still canon. Okay. And I think that's all of our questions. Yeah. You're going to do the thing that, you know... I don't know. I've never done it. The thing Ann would do at this point. Sorry, guys. We're still figuring this out. <laughs> uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I have she a. She sent you a script. I have uh, the script. I have the the script for. Um, I think the lore watch. I don't think she gave me one for the regular one. Okay. Double check. I'll, I'll try and do. You go look for that. I'm going to try and do this from memory. Um. Okay. Uh. Blizzard Watch supporters uh, on our Patreon make everything that we do possible. Uh, you know, thanks to you guys, we can continue to do this show and do the site and everything that you guys come forth to us for. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, that'd be great. Uh, it really does help quite a bit. And you get to be, you know, if you're a Patreon supporter, you get first crack at stuff like questions here. Uh, you get an ads-free site experience, which is always really great. And yeah, there's lots of other stuff that's pretty cool. For instance, the fact that Lore Watch even exists as a weekly show is because of you guys joining up on Patreon. So keep that up so we can keep doing all this stuff. Did you you cool, Joe? Did you find I'm, it? I did. Um, okay. And the only other thing that we can plug here is, well, uh, if you want to know more about any of the story or the lore or anything like that, there is the fact that Blizzard has a ton of the books available on Audible. Um, so if you are listening to us and you want to know more about some of the stories that inform some of what we're talking about, uh, Audible offers a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial uh, to give you the opportunity to check out the service. Um, so we can always plug some of our favorites like we were talking about Wolfheart. Wolfheart is definitely one that I think people should read, uh, as well as War Crimes, which we mentioned in the podcast today. Uh, so you can download those and many of Blizzard's titles, as well as thousands more, at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Okay. Next week, we're going to have that more nailed down, and Joe will probably do it much better than I just did. But anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for being here. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. If you have an email for the show, uh, you can either send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a podcast or Blizzard Watch in the subject line so we know it's for the show, or you can head over to our Discord. We have a channel for patron Q and podcast questions so if you're a patron that's another benefit there you can go in there and go ahead and leave a question you just tell us what show it's for 
or if it's for the queue, you can do it there too. And uh, we, we take both. Uh, this week, everyone was an email. I, I really, really seriously thanks so much, guys. It helps so much when you send in emails. It makes this part of the show much easier. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.